Hello and welcome to the Relationships Are Underrated podcast. I am one of your hosts, Trip Kramer. I'm your other host, Jonathan, jovial Jonathan Asley. What's up, man? It feel like it's funny. We, we've been putting out consistent episodes, but we got really ahead at one point and we haven't recorded one for a while. So it feels to you and I, like, or to me at least, that we haven't done one in a while, but here we are. I was like, who are you again? Like, What's this podcast? <laughs> even even though I'm marrying you in less than a few days, you are next week. Although the release of this podcast will be a few weeks after. I think we said yeah. this on the last episode, by the way. <laughs> so for those that, but we'll get it, we'll get it on track on this timeline. It is appropriate for today's episode because we're talking about is your partner marriage worthy. Yeah, And we're going to get into that in just a second. Real quick, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, you want to talk to us, since this isn't really a social media platform, podcasts aren't social, we want to get social with you. Email us, relationships are underrated at gmail.com. Hopefully you spell underrated correctly. It is with two R's, not with one. Email us. We want to hear from you. We want to answer your questions. If you are enjoying this podcast, we do appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, because that's where people are listening to most of their podcast episodes. Yeah. Jonathan, do you think I'm marriage worthy? <laughs> do I think you're marriage worthy? Um, you fit the criteria. You check off a lot of the boxes. <laughs> We disagree on a few things, so I wouldn't marry you, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. That's but right. I'm happy Megan sees I, I, you. I'd marry you. I know you would. <laughs> I, I would absolutely... That, God, that was you. arrogant of me to say that. <laughs> you are... Why would you uh, marry me? Okay. I, will ma- I would marry you because you are self-aware. Okay. You are selfless. You're very smart. You're successful. You work hard. You're charismatic. You would support your partner emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Uh, You're fun. You're optimistic. I think all those qualities would make you marriage worthy. And I'll definitely... (laughs) Does that make you cry? It gives me a tear. Wow. If I could only get the women online to see that. (laughs) No, that's not your problem. Your problem isn't getting women online to see that. That's, I think Um, it's your trying to find the right woman. As you know, now I'm a little embarrassed. I said, because if I had to say, I would say the exact same things of you. And yet I said, I wouldn't marry you because we don't see eye to eye on a few things. <laughs> well, hold on. This is, this is a great point. Exactly. Great point is that all relationships, you're not going to see eye to eye in the same things. Yeah. You will not see eye to eye in everything. And people should not be trying to choose a partner where they see eye to eye on everything. Now, of course, if you're in the extreme where you don't see eye to eye on anything and you have completely different views on on life and politics and and society and you know, just all the little things, it's not going to work. But you don't need to agree 
and be set on every little thing. And I think that is, I know we're joking about this, yeah. but still, with you and I, we're not ever going to get married, but we are, <laughs> we're friends. Yeah. And, well, and the you... friendship is a relationship, and we see eye to eye on most things. And if we didn't, we would not be, with this friendship would not, it wouldn't exist. So, I, yeah, and, and to... Not to make something too serious out of your joke, but I think it still begs to... No, because and and I said it, of course, as a joke, because I would absolutely marry you. And actually, um, when you literally shared what you felt about me, I mean, I can I can say verbatim. That's exactly how I view you. What's interesting that I made that joke and it's a perfect illustration of that couples will not see eye to eye on everything. And yet seeing eye to eye on the core things are hugely important. So, you know, it could be in your case, if one of the two of you didn't want to have children and the other one does, that's a pretty core thing not to see eye to eye on. How money is utilized in a relationship, that's a core thing that if there's two people see things differently, that can be a challenge as we you know, talked about in the book, Eight Dates by Drs. John and Julie Gottman, how you resolve conflicts. If you don't see eye to eye on that, that can be a problematic area in a relationship. So it's not, you know, it's sometimes it is the little things and be able to brush those things over. But at the end of the day, the core fundamental values for each individual person, you have a greater chance of relationship success when you're aligned on your core values. And I'd like to piggyback off of that one with an example of what a core value wouldn't look like. Yeah. I'll take it from my own relationship. So Megan and I are very different when it comes to handling being overwhelmed. And also we are different when it comes to planning events and planning <laughs> things. So she's not a planner. She doesn't like to plan things. She's very more off the cuff. I like to plan things and have things ready and prepared. While I think both of us might get a little bit annoyed by the other because we we work those things in very different ways, does it really affect the relationship? No, not not to a core level. It doesn't. And then with overwhelm, with that example, those are just the first two that came to my head. You know, I handle myself very well under intense pressure. It takes a lot for me to be overwhelmed to the point of shutting down. That doesn't really happen to me. Or for her, it does happen. She just gets overwhelmed a little bit easier and tends to kind of just shut down a little bit. And I don't think I'm annoyed at her by that or she's annoyed at me or anything in this case, but it just, we're different. We're different how we handle stress. Is that a problem in the relationship? It hasn't shown to be in the three and a half years that we've been in it. And yeah. So, so what you shared was more like personality characteristics. And let me give you an example of a value that I think could be important in relationships. So, for example, one value I hold relatively near and dear to me is healthy lifestyle for the most part. Now, let me give you some examples of what that looks like. I, I prefer to not eat processed foods. I prefer not to smoke although I will occasionally smoke, you know, cannabis. But for the most part, I try to do things to maintain a long life, which includes exercise and such. So health is a core value to me. 
I think if I was dating a chain smoker who was popping pills all day long, <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, that's going to be a difference in value between the two of us. That's probably not going to work. And so that would be an example of a value versus what I think you talked about was more like a personality characteristic. And certainly, you know, ideally wouldn't it be great if you handled stress relatively similar to one another. And at the same time, it's not a deal breaker because it's not really material to the relationship. I think values are a material relationship. So coming back to the topic, is someone marriage worthy? I think one of the fundamental areas to look at is do you share the same core values? And if you're different in some areas, well, ultimately then coming to agreements in those differences. Yes. And how to navigate that, not from a naive place, you know, which when I say naive, I find couples typically bury their head in the sand on the big issues that will affect their relationship later. Well, little issues as well. They bury their head in the sand, believing magic fairy dust will change this instead of addressing it. Absolutely. Now, you may be, those of you who are listening, in a relationship right now. So if you're in a relationship right now, I ask you to think about what are the things that are your core values for a relationship and what are the things that are, we'll just say, not as important. What really is making a difference in your current relationship What's something that you could see, you know what, I can deal with that for the next 40 years if we get married versus, oh, this one thing? No, I, 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 that's something I won't be able to deal with. So I shared with you one value is health, but another one of my core values is punctuality. Believe it or not, punctuality is a value. And Well, that could also be a personality trait too. Just well. Saying. Yes. But personality I, I, traits can be value. It's all kind of Yeah, there probably is some, at least when I Googled it once and I saw 125 values, punctuality is a value. So what's interesting is, you know, Tripp, you know, I'm incredibly punctual, not just for, you know, getting together, but I'm very, for those who know me, like when I go and meet someone, I always show up 10 or 15 minutes early and I'll even wait outside because it's, I was taught being on time means being early showing up on time means late and anything after on time is inexcusable. So that's a value I have. Now, in the dating realm or in relationship realm, I've yet to be with a woman who's ever been on time. <laughs> Actually, that's not fair to say. I've At least my ex-wife and my ex-girlfriend were never on time. And what it feels like is a level of disrespect to me. Now, is it a deal breaker for me? No. And I've shared where I feel disrespected because that's what it feels like to me. Being on time is a level of respect. It's not going to, it's it's something that I will accept and yet still encourage or make requests. Could you be on time? In other words, you know, someone is still marriage worthy to me if they're not habitually on time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's, I've told you this before, but I'll share it with the audience. Okay. Megan was very late to our first date. Oh, I didn't know that. She gave actually such a different impression of herself on the first couple of dates. Then, and it was weird because, you know, you get the first impression, 
you start to think, well, this is who this person is. Yeah. But then it turns out this is not that's not who she was. It was it was an actual fluke. So the first date, she shows up like thirty minutes late. She had a reason. She texted me that she was gonna be late, but her reason was funny. She forgot her wallet at home. Okay. So she was in the Uber and she had to turn around to get her wallet to come back to our first date. And here Did I am she text you like, and let you know? She did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She did. It wasn't like where is she? What's going on? I knew what was going on. Well, there's but two. Still. Well, there's late and and not informing the person, then informing the person you're going to be late. Yeah, so. which is significantly worse in my opinion. Yeah, if they don't tell you and they just show up. Like, yes. Oh, I can't yes. stay. That's like almost deal breaker time for me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's deal breaker for you. Uh, that would be. That would be. I would not like that. That'd be yeah. very uh, flaky. So so okay, that's so one she forgot thing. Her wallet. Yeah, and then and then on our kind of like second ish date. We were going back to her place and she didn't have her keys because her, I guess, when she went out that night, it was her and her roommate and they only took one pair of keys because they thought they were going to be going home together. And so she didn't have them, and which is understandable, but still it was kind of like, what? You don't have your keys? And so I honestly was not judging her hard for these things because it wasn't the biggest deal to me. But I, I always bring it up to her. I go, it's so funny how you... You looked that she's never like that anymore. She doesn't forget anything. She's never late. You know, sometimes she is, but like barely. It's not, I wouldn't say that that's part of her personality. I guess point being here, besides just sharing this story with you is don't judge a book by uh, the first couple dates. You never know who they're actually going to be as you continue. Well, Yes and no. <laughs> I agree. Yes and, and no. What I'm that's about for to sure. say is those could be signs, you know. So I think ultimately, and I follow more of a spiritual path, what does my gut say to me about this person? What does my instinct say to me about this person? And how am I really feeling? So I tend to operate like, okay, someone's late, no big deal, you know, but at the same, not but, and at the same time, does something feel off? Because usually when something feels off, like you start seeing a pattern, you know, it might be, you know, time to go pull back the reins a little bit and say, and be not so driven by, you know, the biology and limerence and lust and really pull back and be rational about this because the most of the time you're meeting total strangers and you don't know their values. You don't know them. And it takes time to get to know someone. I agree. It, it's interesting, too, because I look back and my gut feeling did not say in those cases that this is going to be a problem. Sometimes you can tell you're like, this is going to be a problem. But in those two cases, you know, I guess she texted me. She said that she was going to be there. She's a little late. Then the second time she forgot her keys, it seemed understandable. We were never planning on going back to her place. It just kind of happened. So to me, it all it was never yellow flags for me. So and you I, didn't I say okay, that. So it was about my I was listening to my gut there in that case. So you didn't say uh, she's blonde and then make a judgment around <laughs> blonde right. behavior. Right. <laughs> Right. Which I know I probably could have. <laughs> and, and I hope yeah, I haven't I, thrown blondes under the bus. No, you're gonna be you're gonna be canceled. Now. I'm gonna be canceled for just saying that. Unbelievable. <laughs> I've seen canceling for less. So <laughs> that's sad. So marriage worthy, thinking about your core values 
and what is really important to you and what's not. I also like to give this example. I, I always say this because I still is very interesting to me. I dated a woman once and we had a similar passion for a band that is not a well-known band that's liked by it's many called people. Fish. It is. I didn't really want to go there because we don't need to. But the point is, we really liked that band. And it wasn't just like liking the Beatles. It's like, oh, most people like the Beatles, right? It was like, if you like this band, you're really into it. You either love them or you hate them. So what's interesting is, to me, that was so exciting. Wow, found someone who I, I share this unique and niche passion with. And guess what? It barely showed up in the relationship. We didn't listen to them all the time. <laughs> we didn't talk about them at all. Yeah, we'd go to the shows a couple times a year. But I don't know. That's no different than well, I was seeing anything else. And so my point is, is that sometimes you think you're going to have this interest, this shared interest that's going to be so important for the relationship and so awesome. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it isn't. Where I kind of went into it thinking, oh, it definitely is, but it's not. Why? It wasn't a core value. It wasn't really the most important thing. Obviously, the relationship ended. Yeah, so I even talk about this in my coaching practice. It's it's differentiating between what I call the me too's. Like, you like sushi? Me too. You like stand-up paddleboard? Oh my God, I do it every weekend. You like fish or the Rolling Stones? I'm throwing two different bands out there. Oh my God, we're so compatible. So having similar interest isn't the same as compatibility in my book. Compatibility is... Do we share the same values? Can our lifestyles blend together? And more importantly, is this person emotionally grown up enough to actually be in a relationship? And emotional maturity is probably by far the least looked at in the dating process or even the in the early stage of relationship process. And yet it's so fundamentally important. And yet most people have weak relationship skills and weak emotional maturity. Most people? Yeah, most people. Like All right, percentage. well, th- hear me out for a second. If 50% of first marriages end divorced, 65% of second marriages end divorced, 75% of third marriages end divorced, and the average person has at least a half a dozen relationships in their life, statistically speaking, their relationships... I know this sounds like a a, a Debbie Downer, but don't work out mostly because they don't have good skills at being in a relationship. I'm going to agree, but I'm going to yes and you right now. Okay. I would say yes and they might be picking the wrong partner. Sometimes I don't know if it's only about relationship skills. I think it's also about picking the wrong partner. That's a relationship skill. Picking a good partner is a relationship skill. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay, sure. I didn't really think about it like that. But if so, if you have if you have poor skills at picking a partner, that means you don't have good skills. You know, if you pick the wrong person, maybe because most of the time relationships are built on lust and limerence, and not what we're talking about. Short-term relationships. Anyway. What's that word mean? Limerence means extreme infatuation, and lust means you want. That's to have a sex. cool word. I never. Huh. Have you ever gone on a date? Well, by the way, you've heard me talk about women who I haven't even met before, and I've been in such a state of infatuation. 
Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you tell me that this woman is your girlfriend and you've been on two dates with her. Or, yeah. Well, think about the times when you've always said to me, it isn't real until... No, I say nothing is until it is. Nothing is until it is. So what that means, it isn't real until it's real. So Because that's limerence talking. That's like infatuation. That's a chemical release of dopamine in my body going, oh my God, she's the one. I mean, I have a propensity to do that. I don't do it as much anymore. And I think most people do that. And I think that really is important to say here on this episode is the idea that you have to understand that limerence and lust and infatuation are not love exactly. and are not and are not qualities that make someone marriage worthy. And yet, I will admit I was in a relationship too. My last one, not the one I'm in now. The oh last yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Where I was strongly debating marriage with this person. And I was. And wait, wait, wait! Time point, out! Wait, wait! You actually debate? You debated marriage with her? Well, not with her. It was in my head. Oh no! No, I got you there. You actually okay? okay please forgive me because now I'm learning something about I did not well, know this before. I, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I debated. I I thought about contemplated it. Yeah. it. Contemplated yes. it. Yes. I contemplated it. Wait, wait. Was this in the first few weeks or once you realized? No, 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 no. It was not the first few weeks. No, no, no. Several months. Like we're talking like seven months in. Hold on. Four, ten, six, five. Yeah, five to six months in. But it doesn't matter. I still think that's so so soon to be. I mean, yeah, you might think that. But like I was more than thinking it. And I think that was way too soon to be thinking that. And why? Because I was caught up in the infatuation and the lust, and I was completely wrong. This person was absolutely By not the way, marriage. marriage we mentioned in a me. previous podcast, and not to throw her under the bus, but there was some clinical issues that she was dealing with that she actually was aware that a therapist had told her. So, true story. And I think I've said this to you, and yeah. I've said this to many people too. I've even said it to Megan. I believe is that yeah. she didn't have those issues she would have probably been the person I would have married. There was really nothing wrong with her. Oh, I know. Those. But yeah. it's like, no, oh, everything was great except for that one little thing. But that one little thing was a big thing. <laughs> it, was it was 80%. Person- it was a personality disorder that she did not have fixed yet or have under control, Healed. I should say. Healed, that's and, word. and for the record, Although, just, it's some, yeah. she clearly is aware of it and talks about it. And, and you were aware of it as well. So, And it was a hard one for you to overcome. Yeah. It, it was. And so it's not something I wanted to stay in and work through. And she wasn't ready to be in a relationship. And I was not ready to be in a relationship with her. And it ended. But I guess the point here is, is that I was looking at the wrong things. Not that I proposed or got a ring or anything even close to yeah. that. But still, in my head, I was thinking about it. And if I were to rewind, you know, this was like five, six years ago. And uh, visit Old Trip, I'd say, dude, no. These are not are the marriage-worthy qualities. So, is it okay to bring up something current event? Uh, well, Would we can always cool edit it out, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm thinking particularly like, okay, we're talking about marriage-worthy, and I'm thinking of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now, because I've been fascinated with the trial. And, you know, I suspect a lot of those things challenges that they had after they got married actually existed beforehand and yet they still went ahead with marriage 
because I believe they were in a state of lust and limerence yes. and infatuation and not really being practical because at the end of the day, and by the way, you learn marriage really quickly when you're in divorce court. And in their case, they're in a defamation court. You learn what that was really all about. And so um, I think being also very rational about this, because it's a big deal to get married, not to look at it cavalierly, because you, as I learned the hard way, I learned what marriage really meant at divorce court. That's what I learned, what it really meant. In fact, I yeah, recommend you, you say people- say this quite a bit. Yeah, I this. recommend spend a day in divorce court before you get married. <laughs> oh man, sounds yikes, miserable. And you well, don't want it. You don't want it. People well, should be- Why be afraid of fear. it? No, pe no, people should fear divorce. So it's a good thing to go to something like that because oh, people okay. should fear it. You should fear it with your life. I know that sounds- <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, and I haven't been divorced, so it's kind of like, well, what do you know, Trip? But let's be honest. Don't don't take marriage lightly. You should fear divorce. Divorce is not. And I used to think this many years ago. It's like, oh, if it doesn't work out, you get a divorce. I don't think. No, I didn't understand what the fuck I was talking about. Yeah, divorce is a big deal, and it even and and it's exponentially more of a big deal when you have children. Children. Yes, it's, it makes it so hard on you and her on the kids on everything. And it's just bad. I mean, I guess one of the reasons why I'm saying this is because, you know, I say this on the podcast quite a bit. If you guys don't know, I work with men and help them with meeting women. And I help a lot of guys who are divorced. So I hear the stories from the guys who are divorced. Yeah. And and most of them are ugly, ugly. Like it's sometimes they'll be in they'll be in. I don't know if it's what it is, not court, but in family negotiations. Court. Oh, uh, no, settlement like, or, um, arbitration, yeah, like, arbitration. Yeah, that's it. For months to years sometimes because some, it gets really complicated with all the assets. Yeah, I want to be extreme with this so people take marriage seriously. So you are you are listening to an episode like this and really saying to yourself, is the partner I'm with marriage worthy? And another good thing, we didn't really mention this yet. We can talk about this yeah. now, Jonathan. You can ask yourself, am I marriage worthy? Mm. Am I worthy of being proposed to? Am I worthy of someone saying yes to my proposal? Is there anything that I need to do to be a better human in general? So I think of, it's interesting, I think of the fear of marriage or fear of divorce, excuse me. With my mom and dad who were married 66 years before my mother passed away, Divorce wasn't an option. Like they were of a generation that once you got married, that was for life. And my mother had only one man ever in her life that she was intimate with. So that was a different time. And it was interesting. My mom said there was a period of 10 years where they went through some hell together. And it was because that commitment was there that, you know, divorce was not an option. But they didn't do it from fear. It was just that was the way they were raised. What you're suggesting, which I I would like to find different. I understand what you say, fear. I'd like to find a more positive way to say that and to instill the same experience. Like, you know, divorce is not an option. I, I, I love 
see, this is how I say it. you're such an optimistic fella. Said that in the yeah. beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta shove reality in people's faces in order for them to make changes. So I don't necessarily want to. I mean, you can if you like, but I don't necessarily agree with trying to put a little nice little ribbon on it and a little <laughs> cherry on top. See, this because is why we no- never get married. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. pre-divorcing you right now. <laughs> um, well, I okay. I I'm gonna digress for a second or pull back because we I can agree. digress. We can digress. Yeah. I, well, I am gonna say that I do believe there. You know, there is a benefit to tough love or or tough discipline, and so from that perspective. And at the same time, I want to find a different way of saying it. And I guess the way I'm looking at it is divorce isn't an option. We will work through things when we hit bumps in the road. And that's a commitment that, again, oftentimes wedding vows are cavalierly said, you know, and ultimately when you say that and you're making that declaration, ultimately do it from a place because you're absolutely Stand by your words. You know what? You make a great point. And I'll tell you what. I wrote my wedding vows. And I think it's time to really go over them, which I will anyways, but go over them with a different lens and mm. really and really take your advice here. And, and, I, and I mean this. I'm not just saying this. I really mean okay. this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the vows and really understand when I get to the promise part, what I'm really saying here and really feel what I'm saying and really understand it's not just, oh, you got to write the vows for the ceremony and the ceremony is the thing that you got to do and and then you go to the party and then you're married. It's like, no, really take that part seriously because at the end of the day, yeah, you're going to remember the party and all that stuff, but what lasts the whole marriage? It's those vows. That's it. Right there. For better, Mm. for worse, till death do us part. Amen. Oh, I just thought of something I want to add on the ceremony. (laughs) What is it? I don't want to tell you. It's going to be a surprise when I've got you on the altar. Is it this moment? So Tripp was on a podcast with me. (laughs) You'll see. You'll see. Oh, I got to re-edit the. I've got to edit your uh, wedding ceremony now. But well, you, you and hear actually, what I'm saying though to you is I'm t- I, I like what you're saying is really taking it seriously and really not just writing the words, but really meaning it. Now, Taking human beings. You. So here's the thing: is when you say your vows in the moment, you mean it. Okay. And at the same time, we human beings change, right? So on some level, we're making an absolute commitment to how you feel at this moment in time. So what I do know from a friend of mine who's a minister is she, with her husband, every year they renewed their vows and they rewrote new vows every year to one another. And they had a ceremony. And instead of a ring, they gave each other bracelets. Every year? Wow. Every year they had a, a re, I don't know what it was called, but um, like a, a something ceremony, not renewal revisit, of your, yeah, renewal, renewal of, of vows ceremony. Yeah. And 
And I actually, you you know, it's interesting. You said every year, like that's overwhelming. There's 365 days in a year and we're talking about one day for a few hours. And you like, and you felt like that was overwhelming. <laughs> um, I don't want to take, I don't, I don't want to take, I don't know if this is a word, the yeah. specialness away from it. I like, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think every five years seems kind of nice. Oh, I think, you know what? I'm going to start saying every month renew your vows to each other. You know what? Fuck it. Every morning. Every morning. Oh, by the way, now you jokingly say this. Text them every hour. (laughs) Okay, now I'm getting a little. But you know what? I'm saying once a month, look at each other and look at and read your vows to one another and actually meaning it. So here's the thing. What happens when you say it because it's just rote and you don't mean it? I just think that every month it still takes away from it. You're going to end up memorizing it. It's just going to feel like words unless you're saying say something new. Well, that's what I'm saying. If it just feels like words, are you really living up to the vow? That's a good point. Because here's the thing that happens. And we need to do a podcast on taking your partner for granted. Because what ultimately ends up causing divorces on some level is you start taking this person for granted. You stop living the vows because life is rote and you get used to the routine of the same thing over and over again. So the fact that they renew their vows once a year, you know, and say, look, I'm 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 making a conscious choice to choose you. And by the way, they had the agreement. If one person didn't want to, that means it was that was over. And they did it for 17 years before he passed away in a tragic skiing accident. Which Damn, sucks. that's sad. Yeah. Okay. He had a tree. Okay, so Jonathan, <laughs> um, I'll have you officiate every month, be there to be the witness of my renewal of my monthly vows with well, my upcoming okay. wife. We've talked about that you and Megan do regular check-ins with one another. Yes, that is true. Okay, so kind of reliving the vows and really meaning it, I think is actually established. It's like putting it's like putting really strong nails in your the home you're building. And each time you do it, you're building, you're putting the stronger nail to support the house. So if there's ever a storm that happens, whether it's an emotional storm or a physical storm or or maybe a financial storm, you're building these, you've, you've got strong nails holding up the house or the huppah, the huppah. Okay. Am you I know saying what? it right? Yeah. I'm going to add to this. I like, I like this. Not only do we want to put nails in the house, yeah. but we also want a really strong foundation. Exactly. And and I believe that the foundation is built in the relationship phase, post-dating, pre-marriage. That's where the foundation is built, which is what we're talking about here on this episode. And then I like your, what's the word? When you're making a structure more firm, there's a, there's a, I'm, a, I'm oh. at a loss for a lot of words today. I don't even know the word limerence. Well, interesting. Reinforcing, enough, reinforcing. Reinforcing. Oh, and yes. I want to piggyback on this for a second. So. So yeah, okay. So reinforce. So we build a foundation through the relationship phase, and we reinforce and build and make sturdier through the marriage. But the foundation phase is what starts it all. So it's really hard to reinforce 
a house that doesn't have a foundation, right? So it's really important that you are deeming the person that you're with marriage worthy. And one of the things <laughs> and one of the principles that I like to teach when it comes to relationships is if you're with a person that's not the right fit, you got to find someone that is. Yeah. So I you mean, have don't... to be very, very honest with yourself. So those of you who are listening right now, and I bet you there's some listening who are in a relationship where they're maybe not so sure, I'd really pay attention to that and look at that and ask yourself, why are you not sure? What's the reasons? Is this something that you can live with? So that you can find a partner, maybe it's the person you're with now, or maybe it's someone new that you will be able to build a foundation with because you you share those core values and because they hold values that are important to you that are going to make a relationship that you want to be in. Yeah. So do you know, I live in Southern California. I live in Los Angeles. And when you build a building in Los Angeles, it has to be earthquake it has Proof. to take five years to build because they're so slow in construction. Yeah, well, there's always the, okay, the permits and everything. However, structures here are built to withstand like an eight or nine on the Richter scale. The idea is to create a structure that can handle earthquakes, okay? And when you think about it from a relationship perspective, an earthquake could literally tear down the house of your relationship, like infidelity could tear down, you know, break down the house or whatnot. So here, whether it's homes or actually sky rise buildings, do you know they actually build them on rollers so it can actually handle the earthquake that's happening? There's all these different technologies. Oh, like, in, like instead of break, it will kind of... Or, yeah, I, I'm, please forgive me. I'm not a construction person, so I don't know all the particulars. But ultimately, that's what we're really talking about is thinking ahead on some level to create a structure that can handle the earthquakes that may or may not arrive. I mean, in other words, we haven't had a big earthquake here in a while, although, as I say, it'll probably happen. And at the same time, a relationship needs to withstand the, you know, the bumps, the storms, the, you know. You get it. You get where I'm going. Jonathan, I want to I want to tell you something. I live and breathe the advice that we give because the other day there was I'm not going to go into details of what it was about. It's not really important. But Megan and I we got a little frustrated with each other. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. And this is really important because Wait, this is going to mess up my vows or my ceremony. For no, me, no, so not I'm at all. This, no, this is going <laughs> to make kidding, it even I'm better. Kidding. Listen to this. <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, I practice on my end what I preach and what you preach as well. So Megan and I, we have one of those relationships where we don't have a lot of bickering or fighting or things like that. And uh, not by no means am I saying it's, it's perfect. In fact, I, I kind of wish we did a little bit more because... We know that those are going to happen in the future, but it's, it's not something that happens quite often. And there was something that happened the other day where we something happened where we were just frustrated in that moment with each other. And it could have been so easy, by the way, Jonathan, to sweep under the rug. Yeah. It was not that big of a deal. Like, that's why it's not even worth mentioning what it is because it's just so whatever. But I I had a moment right there where I felt this need to communicate with her about it. Did I have to? Was it important in that moment? No. But I was thinking about, A, the communication that we always talk about, what that means, and B, 
I know this is going to happen again. It's inevitable it will. And I don't want, a bu- speaking of earthquakes, I don't want a bunch of tension to build up and then explode, which is what a lot of couples do. I don't want that. So what I did was the hard thing was I said, you know what, let's have the the talk now, even though it's not a big deal, so it sets a precedent for the future. And that's what I did. I said, can we talk? And I was thinking about the podcast because we had a whole <laughs> podcast episode about that. And I go, we need to talk. There's literally no other way to say this. There's really no other way. I didn't know any other way, phrasing to do it. Um, I like, I need your help with something. Can I... Can I, oh yeah, yeah. That's right. We said that. I should use. I that need your time. help with something. Yeah. Can we so, talk about it? So yeah. because it, it starts off by and well, it's I know you you know we're kind of going off subject, but that starts the conversation. I need your help. So they're already in a proactive mode instead of a defensive mode. Yeah. Okay. So how did you did it get resolved? So it it was a great conversation. Okay. Uh, I, I and you realized hey, you were wrong chat for a second. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. Wait, I'm kidding. <laughs> wait, let's see. Yeah, I realized that was wrong. I sorry, I got gaslighted. <laughs> no, it was really there was no like I'm sorry's. It was just us discussing kind of what happened and and the little moment where we kind of were just frustrated with each other, and we explained what each side what we felt. I empathized with her. I said, yeah, I can understand why you'd feel frustrated by that. And we talked about it. And then I said to her, I said, hey, listen, I know we don't have a lot of these talks, but one of the, and I told her in in this kind of meta way, I said, I want to be able to do this more with you because I don't want us, even though we know this didn't need a talk, I said to her, I want to be able to do this and get good at this kind of skill with each other now because this will happen in the future and we don't want to have a situation where it starts to build and resentment starts to get built. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to hold in things with you. And she agreed. Mm-hmm. And it was a very productive conversation, not just to solve the little thing that happened, which I honestly was so little, I don't even remember what it was, to be honest, but really to just set a precedent of what communication should be like between us. And we should be able to talk about these things and not let it go under the rug because they will build. And it's a great... And that, one more thing, just to kind of put, put a, a little oh. bow on it, is... Uh, that is one of my core values. I want to be able to have the difficult conversations with my partner. And if I can't do that, or there's any kind of passive aggressive, which I hate, and Megan is not, or else I wouldn't be with her. But if there's any kind of passive aggressive or any of that, I am out. I want to be clear, I want to be direct. And that's all I have to say about that. So I think one of the reasons why in the book, Eight Dates, or even this, or the other books by the Gottmans, conflict resolution skills is probably one of the core fundamental foundations of a healthy, happy, you know, marriage or any relationship. I should say is your ability to handle the differences. And some, you know, the word conflict doesn't have to mean World War III. It could be just simply a difference of opinion. And at the same time addressing them as early as you can. Sometimes you do need to take a break from it and maybe process your feelings. I know that I have a habit of sometimes I may want to, I'm feeling some discomfort with a person 
but I don't feel like talking about in that moment because I want to double check. Am I really, is it, am I blowing something out of proportion? Did they say something the right way? Process it, but no more than 24 or 48 hours. And the worst thing you can do is come back a month later to bring something up. You have to do it relatively fresh while it's still, because quite frankly, humans' memories, you know, isn't perfect, you know? Um, and ideally you'd like to do it right when it happens, but you do need time to process. So I, I'm really glad to hear you did that. And I will remind you as your friend that that is one of the core pieces of a foundation. It's kind of like the, the earthquake foundation I'm talking about. It's on rollers because if you can roll with the punches, so to speak, you can roll with things, your building won't collapse. Ooh. How's that? That's a, that's a snap. Instead of cla- instead of clapping, it's Ooh. a little. It's a little. We do snap. shaky. We do this. Uh, the shaky hands. Oh, <laughs> uh, shaky the, hands. Okay. What's that called? The jazz hands. <laughs> jazz hands. I like that. All right. So, are you marriage worthy? You are to me, my friend. Ah, oh, Jonathan. Thanks. So, in another life, if we are, <laughs> if we ever meet again, and we are homosexual, we will marry each other. Uh, well, we don't. It, it doesn't even have to be of our sex. I'm We're just, part of the I'm same soul tribe. I do believe we are part of this. I do believe in soul tribes, and we connect with people in each lifetime that we've connected with in previous lifetimes. There's no doubt in my mind. You and I have been on a soul journey for a long time. We've come at this in a lot of different alliterations. So yeah, and we'll do it again. That's very true. Even though you and I will have intense debates. Per the episode, maybe five episodes ago, and just off air, we'll have lots of debates. <laughs> but here's here's the difference is, and I think this is a good point to this episode. It's about respect. I disagree with you on a handful of items, but I still respect you. I believe you can still respect someone, even if you disagree on something. Sometimes you can't, but... If you are in a relationship or a friendship where there's yeah. some things that you don't agree on, if you feel that there's still a level of, of level of respect for that for your partner or your friend, that's uh, that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, respect is another foundation piece that it's and yes, I you know even if we're in a little bit of a heated disagreement with one another, I I genuinely respect you as a person and. I will say that oftentimes marriages also fail because one or both people have lost respect for one another. It's not just care, but respect. And so that's another thing that, again, through the vows, it it nurtures. And there are many other ways to nurture respect. And it is a foundational piece. Um, And I suspect when you lose respect for your partner, it makes it difficult to live up to those vows, or or view, or view them as as marriage worthy. You can't yeah. marry you can't marry someone you don't respect. You know, it fascinates me, and I I know we're wrapping up in a second, but I can't believe how many women I work with that are in relationship with men who they honestly they don't respect the guy, and yet they're still strung out on the guy. But that's for a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's so. a whole that's a whole other reason. <laughs> you know, Jonathan. Oh man, I'm gonna be super. Super uh, candid when I say this one. Vulnerable. No, no, not vulnerable. It's more candid. Okay. 
I don't, and I really think about it. Every woman who I broke up with, which was the past three, there was, I'm not saying I fully disrespected them or, or not disrespected, sorry, uh, fully did not respect them or have respect for them. Okay. But there was definitely levels for each woman that I didn't have, I, I didn't have full respect for. And for oh. Megan, it's like I have so much respect for. I have an, a, an, an enormous amount of respect for. And the three, it, again, I want to be clear and, and, and specific. It's not that I didn't respect them. I did on some level, but I have examples in my head of like, I didn't respect you for that. And I didn't think about that consciously at the time. But now looking back at it, I'm thinking that is definitely one of the reasons why it didn't last. Yeah, as you're saying this, I'm thinking of my marriage, and I suspect at some point we lost respect for one another, and that eventually ended up being, to some degree, the I mean, multiple things attributed to it, but ultimately that respect and cherishing, you know, kind of go hand in hand. I suspect you cherish and respect Megan, and she feels the same way about you. And that's a foundational piece. And this is why coming back to conflict resolution skills, because that's usually where the not respect, I don't want to say disrespect, but the not respect begins to fester. So I think we covered a lot here today, my friend. We did. And I, I feel really good about it. Ladies and gentlemen, any questions, any thoughts, any topics, email us. Relationships are underrated at gmail.com. And... If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Jonathan, this is the last podcast. Oh, no, it's not. We're going to do one more before the, the official officiating of the wedding. And then we never have to talk about it again. But Then, I can, <laughs> then you'll be officially married until you say a, I do and break that glass. Yes, I will be a, a married man here on the podcast. Anyway, love you, buddy. Respect you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Trip Kramer signing off. And this is Jonathan Asley signing off, wishing you all a super-duper wonderful, fantastic day. Be well.